Hello friends, this is Doug Scheibel and welcome to the Premature Bible Institute. Thank you again for coming this week. Uh, we're already in lesson 34. We've been doing this for 35 weeks now. Uh, all these lessons up to this point, just up to this uh, part where we're talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So today we're going to continue on with this lesson, uh, lesson from last week and uh, talk about uh, some of the things I think are important in the whole redemptive plan. Uh, last week we talked a little bit about how when Abraham took Isaac up to um, to the mount there and, and to sacrifice him, uh, remember there's some things that he already understood. He said that when he went up there, he told his young the young guys that came with him to help him along the way. He says, "You guys wait here." He says, "The boy and I we're going to go up up above there and we're going to worship." And he says, "Then we will return." So he already had in his mind somehow God was going to fulfill His promise to keep the deliverer going through His line, but at the same time. Uh, deal with the issue of Isaac, either raise him from the dead or from uh, that he wouldn't kill him. Whatever it was, he knew God was going to do the right thing. And so uh, that was pretty important. So God, uh, he went up there and God, like he told his son Isaac, he says, God will provide for himself a sacrifice. And he did. The lamb that was, or that ram that was caught in the, the thorn bushes, the thicket, it says by its horns so that it wouldn't get torn up. And uh, also remember that even though he uh, God told uh, um, Abraham to take Isaac up there, uh, Isaac was not an acceptable sacrifice. And so why would God do that? Why would God have so, uh, somebody sacrifice it who wasn't acceptable? Well, it wasn't for God's benefit. Uh, it was basically for Abraham's and our benefit so that we could look at those things and see uh, a man who walked by faith, uh, somebody who believed God, but God still did everything in a way that was consistent with who he was. Uh, and remember the three qualities of every sacrifice. It had to be perfect, it had to be innocent, and its blood had to be shed. The ram could fit that cat those three categories, but uh, Isaac could not because he was neither innocent nor perfect. So uh, God uh, provided a ram and to be substituted in the place of Isaac. Uh, but also remember this, not only did Abraham trust God, but Isaac trusted God also because he uh, was the one who was allowing himself to be sacrificed. And he not only believed his father, but he believed God was working through his father. So that was pretty interesting. And so therefore, the line was being um, preserved through not only the line of Abraham, but also through the line of Isaac. <clears throat> now, uh, we're going to start... Uh, jumping over some events, uh, not um, they aren't. It isn't that they're not important. It's uh, that they're uh, at this particular time. We don't want to dwell on that because we're we're in a different theme right now, which is God's redemptive plan. But I do need to fill in some details so you have a little context to the story. Now, as time went on after this event, uh, uh, Sarah, who was the um, you know Abraham's wife and Isaac's mother, she passed away. She died. And uh, they mourned for her and everything. And then uh, Isaac met a young lady by the name of Rebecca. And Rebecca, who was a relative, uh, uh, he married. And, uh, and it says it like this in the scripture. In Genesis chapter 24, verses, uh, or in verse 67, it says this. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent. And he took Rebecca, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. All right, so, and then in uh, uh, chapter 25, verses 19 and 20, it says this. Uh, this is the genealogy of Isaac, Ab Abraham's son. Abraham begot Isaac. 
Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padam Aram, the sister of Laban the Syrian. So uh, Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah. So he wasn't a young man. He wasn't, a, you know, just like a, a newbie like uh, a lot of uh, people are that get married today and they're maybe in their 20s or even earlier than that sometimes. So he was 40 years old when this happened. And uh, in the process of time, um, Isaac and Rebecca had children. And it's kind of interesting about these children. Now, God was wanting to uh, work through them both and, and continue the line. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, Rebecca was not able to have any children. And so she was complaining to Isaac about this. I can't have any kids, you know. We don't want the deal, you know. And it was really bothering her, and especially at that particular time, uh, it was uh, for a, a woman not to have children and bear children and have kids. It was a uh, it was a shame to her and to, and it was kind of you know one of those things that she always felt guilty about not having a child, and so uh, um, she went to Isaac and wondered why this was happening. So Isaac goes to the Lord about it, and in uh, verses twenty one to twenty three in chapter twenty five it says this. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. So Isaac went to the Lord. He asked the Lord, could you please uh, give a child to Rebekah? And he did. And he provided a child. But then uh, God says this, but the, or, but the children struggled together within her. So when it says children, uh, of course, the person who's writing this is writing it after the fact. They're looking back, and they knew there were twins in uh, inside of her. So the children struggled within her, and she said, if all is well, why am I like this? In other words, why is this turmoil going on inside of me? So it's probably painful, and she probably felt a lot of kicking, and maybe she didn't know they were twins uh, at that particular time. So why is all this going on? And so she went, and then she goes to the Lord. She went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. <clears throat> most of that, most of that statement is pretty normal. You would think, okay, yeah, I can see that. But then the last statement there it says, "The older shall serve the younger." That generally was not the case. Uh, it isn't that it never was the case. But remember, we talked about the issue of being the firstborn, uh, not a, not necessarily a title of being the one who was born first. The firstborn is a honorific title. It's one that is given to the one who um, um, is the ruler of the family, takes care of all the family needs. He's the head of the household, <clears throat> if you want to put it that way. Uh, God dwells in eternity, so he knew the end from the beginning. He saw the end from the beginning just as he always has. So he knew who was, uh, that she had twins, and he knew that uh, the older was going to, or the older child was going to serve the younger. And there's more to that story, and that will be for another time. But uh, for right now, uh, we just need uh, to know that. And then they were going to be uh, have names, and the names were Esau, who was the firstborn. Uh, by firstborn, I mean one born first, and Jacob, who was the next one. So, um, and it tells us a little bit about the uh, that birth, and it's kind of unusual in and of itself. So Genesis chapter 25, verses 24 through 28 says this, so when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb. 
And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. So he looked kind of unusual. He, uh, enough that they made uh, a comment about this. He was kind of hairy and and red. He was just really, you know, kind of red. So they called his name Esau, which has to do with that uh, description of this child. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So the second baby comes out, and it grabs hold of Esau's heel. Um, and so he called, uh, his name was called Jacob. <clears throat> Interesting thing about the heel, I, I don't, I mean, as a, probably as in somebody from my area of the world, I don't really understand how the heel what the significance of all of that is. They did at that time. Remember what the, um, in the Garden of Eden after uh, Adam and Eve had sinned and God is talking to Eve, he says, or he's talking to the servant, he says, he shall bruise your head, but you shall bruise his heel. And so here we have this thing here where this, this son, the second son, grabs hold of the, seal, of the heel of the first one. So it's always he's grabbing his authority, you know, from what he was uh, symbolically there. So his name was Jacob, and Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So they had been married for 20 years now, uh, and they still hadn't had any children, but now they have twins. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, or because he ate, yeah, of his game, and Rebekah loved Jacob. Now Esau, uh, you have to remember this, Isaac loved him because why he was a man's man. Uh, he was a, uh, I always like to say, he's a member of the National Bow Hunters Association. So a little play on words there. I think you can get the, uh, the symbol, symbolism there. But he was just a man. He was the kind of guy, man, that dads look at, man, hunter, fisher, you know, all that type of stuff. He did all the manly things. That's what he was like. And as a result of that, Isaac, uh, he liked that. You know, he really just like that uh, about his son. Um, Jacob was, but Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. So Jacob was kind of a sensitive mama's boy. He was the artiste, if you want to put it that way. Jacob was the man. You know, that's kind of how, if you want to say it in today's terms uh, and how they look around uh, at that. Jacob kind of hung around the house a lot. He's probably the kind of guy that was, that ran the family business. You know, he wasn't out uh, earning uh, a, um, he wasn't a, he was not a blue-collar worker. Jacob, I mean, Esau probably was the blue-collar. Jacob was probably the white-collar worker. And so that's kind of how things were. And um, we would say, I'm sorry, Esau brought home the bacon. But Jacob was the one who paid for the bacon. <laughs> so Jacob was the kind who uh, probably took care of all the food once it came in, you know, uh, preparing it, cooking the meals and whatever, helping his mom. So his mom was more inclined to hang around with uh, Jacob, but Isaac was more inclined to hang around with Esau. So that's kind of the relationship in that family. So there was kind of a division right there, right from the very beginning. But here's one thing we do know. Esau and Jacob had two very different views on what was valuable. It's kind of like uh, one being a Democrat and one being a Republican. You know, they both look at things from a different point of view. They see the same things happening. They see the same events happening, but they evaluate them differently. And that's kind of the way Jacob and Esau were. So in uh, Genesis 25, now verses 29 through 34, kind of gives this idea here. Now let's read this. It says, Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. 
Therefore, his name was called Edom, which also has to do with being red. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And, and Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? In other words, hey, what's the point of a birthright if you're going to die? You know, then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. In other words, you may, you promised to me by something that's binding uh, that uh, you're just going to sell me your birthright. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew and lentils. So Jacob fed him well. And then he ate and drank, arose, and went his way. Talking about Esau. So Esau, you know, did all that, got up, and then he went away. But then it says a little statement right at the very last that this is important. It says, thus Esau despised his birthright. And so the whole event there he's talking about is how the birthright. In other words, he inherited certain things just by nature of being born first. Even though he may or may not have been the birth, uh, the firstborn, that title, he still, because he was born first, he had certain responsibilities and privileges. And so he came in from the field and he talked to Jacob. He says, listen, he says, I am really, really hungry. He says, can I have some of that stew? And Jacob, and the name means to uh, trickster, or deceiver, that type of thing, manipulator, if you want to put it that way. He says, listen, he says, if you sell me your birthright, if you give it to me, I'll give you something to eat. And Jacob says, well, what good is this birthright to me if I die? He says, okay, I'll do it. He says, then Jacob says, but promise to me, you make a promise that's binding. And so he did. He gave that promise that was binding as a result uh Esau sold his birthright to Jacob. Now Jacob has that birthright. He has whatever privileges that were Esau's are now Jacob's, you know, at that particular point. So Esau didn't value his birthright as the first uh, firstborn. This is an important thing because this is something that he received from his father, not from Jacob. So what he was really saying is, I don't respect what my dad is giving me. And, uh, he didn't honor his father or his family the way he should have. That line, Esau would have been in line to to be uh, for the promise of the Redeemer, but he chose not to do that. Now we can look back and say, well, God knew that. And I said, yeah, he did. But that doesn't mean that God determined that he would act like that, but God knew that he would. So but in, in, um, in contrast to that, Jacob did believe uh, what God had said, or what uh, you know, how the promises that were given to his father Isaac, and his mother knew that, and so his mother, uh, you know, worked on that also, and and probably, you know, as a result of that, uh, he was a he trusted God, but maybe he's not quite what we think he is, and we'll find that out here in a few minutes. Now, as a result of this, now Jacob would become head of the family. He would be uh, the one in whom all the inheritance, the promises would go. And Jacob would then divvy out things to his relatives, family. He would make the decisions, financial um, and so on, moral decisions for the family. And then uh, there's, I, I, won't, I won't get into reading it, but I want to tell you a little event that happened after that. There was a time after that where uh, um, Isaac is getting ready to die. And Isaac said, he told uh, his son Esau, he says, listen, I saw one, I'm ready to give the blessing. And that was, that's separate from the birthright. The blessing is something that uh, you would give, that uh, Abraham or the father would give to the children, and that would be would be part of their, uh, who they are, you know, would tell something about them. 
So Abraham tells Jacob, he says, go get me some of that good food that you get out there. Go kill some game, bring it in. I want to eat it. I just want to have, before I give you the blessing. Well, Rebecca heard this and Rebecca Rebecca said, but the promise isn't coming through Esau. It's coming through uh, uh, Jacob. So what she did is she ran to Jacob, says, hurry up. This is what I want you to do. He says, I want you to wear these clothing, Esau's clothing. He says, I want you to kill an animal. He says, I'm going to put you to put the skin on your uh, the furry skin on your arms and stuff like that. And so it feels like you have a lot of hair like like uh, Esau does. And he says, and I want you to cook the food the way Esau would and take it into your father and receive the blessing. Receive the blessing that he's going to give to Jacob, but you get it instead. <clears throat> so he did what his mom said. He went in and Jacob's, I mean, Isaac's eyesight was really, really bad at that point. He couldn't see who it was he was talking to. Uh, but he knew the voice sounded like Jacob's, but everything else, he felt the arms and he felt the hair and he heard and he smelled the food and he knew that this was something that uh, Esau did. And so he thought, well, this must be Esau. So he gives the blessing to Esau. And as a result of that, he now receives this blessing. So Jacob leaves the tent and right after he leaves the tent, um, Esau comes in and says, here I am, father. He says, what are you here for? He says, I'm here to get the blessing. He says, but um, I just gave you the blessing. He says, it must have been um, Jacob that I gave the blessing to. And it was just, he just cried over this thing and really was upset about what uh, Jacob had done and how he had deceived him. And so um, uh, as a result of that, uh, Jacob now, uh, he hates Jacob. And so, um, um, and it says this in 27, chapter 27, verse 41. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. And uh, this was found out by Rebekah. And Rebekah says, listen, um, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, by Rebekah. And Rebekah says, listen, this can't happen. So uh, here's what you need uh, need to do. You need to... Go to the land of my relatives and stay there until Esau calms down and everything. And I'll send for you later on. And so uh, in 28, in chapter 28, verse 10, um, it says this. Now Jacob went out, from uh, went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. So he's going back to where his family line is originally from, where Jacob's line was, his family. And so he's on his way back there. And Esau didn't have a chance to kill him. And there's a lot that went on there uh, while he was there. He he gained two wives and two handmaidens and all their possessions and everything. And uh, But on his way over there, Jacob stopped at a place called Bethel. And that's the place where Abraham uh, was offering Isaac. And so he stopped there. And he, while he was there, he slept that night and had a dream. And here's what the dream said. Genesis 28, verses 11 and 12. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. So this ladder, now we, don't, we think of a ladder like a stepladder we're talking about here, but I think what it's talking about is more of a stairway, something that where people could go up and down. And so uh, he dreams this dream. This stairway goes to heaven. And uh, it says you can see the angels ascending and descending on this, on this uh, ladder. And uh, the dream 
was foretelling basically to him. Maybe he might not have understood it at that point, but that one day the deliverer would would fill the gap between heaven and earth. Now that man is separated from God, God wanted man to be able to be brought back to him, and this deliverer would take care of that problem. So he's talking about that. So like I said, this is the place where Jacob saw the Lord. He uh, had not uh, seen him before, but he, he knew of that. And so in Genesis 31, verse 13, it says this, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar and where you have made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land, and return to the land of your family. So this is actually, I'm going ahead a couple of chapters, and there are three chapters here, and he's referring, that is referring back to this event. And, uh, and when this statement is made, he's actually at the land of his ancestors over there in Haran and so on. But now we're going to go back in the story again. And in Genesis uh, 28, verses 13 through 15, uh, God is going to renew his promise to Jacob about sending the deliverer. And it says this, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, Now the Lord's standing up on the top of this ladder, up in, up in heaven. And he says this, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. So wherever Jacob is at right there at that moment. God says, I'm going to be giving that land to you and your descendants. So this is the land of Canaan right there where he's at. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all families of the earth shall be blessed. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Sounds like the promise made to Abraham, also to Isaac. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. So he's going to be coming back to this land. God is making this promise. So like I said, this is the place where Abraham uh, offered Isaac. And so he's on his way to Haran, and there he'll meet his wife, uh, his, uh, um, his future wife, and so on, and so on and so forth. So, and then uh, then he'll come back to this particular place. Um, but he was, like I said, God was continuing his promise uh, through the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God doesn't forget his promises. Whatever God says he's going to do, he does, because God cannot lie. And in verse chapter 29, verse 1, it says, So Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. In other words, he came to the land of where Abraham, Ur of the Chaldees, that area, is what we're talking about there in the land of Haran, where his family's at. So um, he's been he's there now for quite a few years. And while he was there, he saw a lady, uh, it was uh, one of his relatives, uh, and he wanted to marry her, and her name was um, um, Rachel. And Rachel was beautiful, and he really loved her, and so he wanted to marry her, and, his fa- and her father says, you work for me seven years, and I'll give her to you. So he says, okay. So he worked for him seven years, and then the time came where they were going to uh, consummate the marriage and everything, and he went in, And but what, what uh, his father-in-law did was he tricked the trickster, uh, um, Jacob, and what he did is he changed daughters out and gave him uh, Leah, and Leah was... Something about her eyes were different. I don't know what it was, but anyway, it wasn't the woman that he loved. And he says, what did you do? You Now he says, I'm married to, um, because of the custom, the way they did things, I'm married to Leah. Why Why did you trade? He says, oh, he says, it's not uh, 
customary in our where we're at to marry off the younger daughter before the older daughter. And he says, you work for me seven years more, and, and then Rachel will be yours. So he did it. And as a result of that, everything that um, uh, Jacob did prospered. He gained lots of wealth, possessions. He had two more wives. He had two wives now, plus the maidservants, and all four of those women had children. And so uh, by the time he's getting ready to head back, he goes back with 11 sons and one daughter. And he eventually has 12 sons and, uh, and a daughter. So he's pretty prosperous. So Jacob starts to head back now, as God told him to, starts to head back to Canaan, uh, to his family, uh, where, he was, where he came from. And it says uh, in 29, so Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. And he was there. And he was there for, I don't know how many years, over 14, because that's the number of years that he worked for the, the women there uh, to have them as his wives. And then it says here, and uh, Jacob, he started heading back to Canaan. And while he's on his way back with all of these people and all of these possessions, he gets word that his brother Esau is coming. And boy, he remembers what Esau said. I'm going to kill him if I, you know, after my father's thing. So man, he started thinking, what am I going to do? And Jacob, as his pattern was, he was always trying to deal, th- do things on his in his own strength. He was trying to come up with his own ideas. He wasn't listening to other people. And so he, he just decided to do his own thing. And so... Um, uh, what he did is he he divided his all of his family and possessions into three different camps, and he sent them over ahead of him. There was this river called Jabbok, and he sent them over in waves ahead of him, and uh, to meet him. And everyone that met him, he would they would bow down to Esau, give him possessions, and so on. And so that's what it was happening. And so the night before he sent them all over, and the night before he was to meet Esau. He was sitting back on the the camp by himself, and uh, this uh, and something dramatic happened that was uh, to change the course of his life forever, and to change the course of human history, quite honestly. So uh, let's uh, read um, uh, here in chapter thirty-two, verses twenty-two through thirty. And he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. And he took them, sent them over the brook. And sent them what he had. In other words, he was sending these people in possessions and so on. <clears throat> and then Jacob was left alone, okay? And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. So he sent them on overhead, and as he's there by himself, this man was there. Um, doesn't say who he was at this point. He says, and he wrestled with Jacob. And he wrestled with him all night long until the morning when the day was getting ready to break. So all night long, Jacob has been wrestling with this man. Um, And when he saw that he did not prevail, oh, I'm sorry, and then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw, when he, talking about the angel, saw that he did not prevail against him, in other words, he wasn't winning this battle, he wasn't losing, but he wasn't winning, he says he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. So can you imagine having your your um, socket right there by your hip being pulled out of joint, how much that would hurt. And still he hung on to this guy. So he wrestled and his joint was out, uh, and he was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Jacob's talking about, let me go, oh, I'm sorry, the angel said this, let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob, or he said, Jacob, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? Uh, he said, Jacob. 
And he said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, or be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men, and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And he says, why, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. So the person that Jacob was actually wrestling with was the Lord himself. And he appeared as a man, as, as he sometimes do, does through the Old Testament. We saw that with Abraham when he was talking with the three angels, with Lot, and so on. So anyway, he's wrestling with this angel till the morning. And in the morning, he says, let me go for the day break. So think of those first three words, let me go. So what the deal is, is Jacob is holding on to this man. He's not trying to get away. He is holding on for dear life. And I think he realizes who this person is and what's going to happen. This angel has come, and maybe he had a conversation with Jacob beforehand, which is why he was holding on. But what's happening is, I think, is that the, the angel is saying, I'm, I'm tired of you. I'm done with you. You, for all your life, you've been trying to deceive and manipulate and do things your own way, and you just won't trust me. So I'm going elsewhere. I'm going to find someone else to, to in who to, uh, the line of the deliverer is going to come through. Kind of like you see with Cain and Abel, even though Abel died, God provided another way, which was Seth. And so God provided another avenue. And I think that this is what uh, Jacob is coming to the conclusion. God's providing a different way. And so he held on. He says, don't, don't leave me. He says, I won't. And he held on to him. And he says, and yeah, you've, the, he prevailed against the angel. Now, obviously, if the angel is God, he could have got loose anytime he wanted. But he wanted Jacob to realize how serious the situation was. So he says, uh, and so he held on, he says, bless me. He says, I won't let you go unless you bless me. So he blessed him. And so what he did was he gave him the blessing. Just like his father Israel was going to give the blessing to him for that, God is giving the blessing to uh, Jacob, who is now going to be called Israel. So this is the first instance that the word Israel is being used, the name. And it is applied to Jacob. So if you hear Jacob or Israel, that's who it is. When we hear about the 12 tribes of Israel, we're talking about the 12 sons of Israel. And so that's what's going on. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. He says, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. I didn't die as a result of this. And God's going to bless me. The interesting thing about this is just think about that. There's a passage in Hebrews, and we'll see this. It says that it talks about later on when after Jacob has children, it says Jacob blessed the sons of Joseph, and then it says leaning upon his staff. Now I thought that's an interesting statement to put in Scripture, leaning upon his staff. Why put that in there? And the reason why is Jacob limped for the rest of his life. And I imagine every single time he took a step, every step he took reminded him of that time here that we just read about at Peniel, where God blessed Jacob, but because he held on and uh, he was being included in the line of the deliverer. So um, it was just a reminder that leaning upon the staff, that crutch that he had from that moment till the day he died reminded him of that moment when he wrestled with God and prevailed. So there are contrasts in scripture. We see a contrast between Cain we see a contrast between Abel. Uh, Abel believed God, Cain did not. We see a, uh, a, um, a contrast between Noah and the people of his time. Noah believed God, the rest didn't. We see a contrast between even Abraham and Lot. 
Abraham believed God. Lord, I'll go wherever you want to go. He can go wherever he wants. I'll trust you to send me wherever you want. So Lot didn't trust the Lord. He went to the place that he liked. There were consequences to that. But he was a righteous man. But Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And then there's Jacob and Esau. Esau didn't uh, believe God about the birthright, about the blessing. And as a result of that, uh, uh, Jacob, uh, who became Israel, received that. So uh, that's interesting how the Lord is preserving that line, and he uses these events, these stories, to remind us that he's in control, that he is doing things according to his plan. Man's choice to, to follow or not follow him doesn't change God at all. God, like I said once before, is in a category all his own. So thank you for being here this week. Uh, next week we'll continue on, see how that redemptive plan and redemptive line continues on. And uh, we'll be around for a little while in the, here in the Old Testament, but then uh, we'll start uh, getting to some other things too. Thank you all so much for coming this week. Appreciate you all. Tune in, and like I said before, uh, tag a friend, have a friend get on, have him uh, subscribe to this podcast the, the, and also the audio and the video podcast on YouTube. Look for me. Just type in the name Doug Scheibel, D-O-U-G-S-C-H-A-I-B-L-E, and uh, just look for it there. Or if you're on just an audio podcast, just look up Premature Bible Institute. Take care. Have a good week, and thanks again. Bye.